are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. Uh, tonight we are previewing the races at Texas Motor Speedway, and actually there's only two races for us to preview tonight. The rest of our show uh, for the first hour will be updates for the Arkham and Art Series as well as the Truck Series, and then we'll review the two races at Texas Motor Speedway in both the NASCAR Cup Series and the Xfinity Series. So uh, definitely looking forward to doing that. Tonight, our Hot Topic Sound Off will start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And joining us uh, for tonight's show as co-host is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. I know it's only uh, two races you mentioned, two races that we're previewing, but there's some big ones as we're getting down to it here in the final eight of both the Xfinity and NASCAR Cup Series uh, championships. So there's some big races coming up here at Texas, Kansas, and then when we all hit Martinsville and Phoenix to wrap up the season. Yeah, only four more races left. Uh, in the uh, NASCAR season, the Arkham and Art Series, they each have one more race left in their season. Uh, and uh, we'll start with the Arkham and Art Series. They will be wrapping up their season next weekend. The Reese's one Kansas Speedway on October the 23rd at 6 p.m. Central. That will be 7 p.m. Eastern Time and it will be televised on MAV-TV. So uh, we'll preview that show next week. But hard to believe that the Arkham Menard series is almost done. Well, and a little bit of a luster, at least for this championship uh, race, if you will, coming down to it. And I know that's why the Cup Series went to the one-race showdown. Uh, Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim been at it all year long. Corey Heim, unfortunately, hit a little couple of bumps here on the way, and Ty Gibbs has been phenomenal as he has been all season. So I believe all he has to do is start that race in order to wrap up that championship now as well. But it's been a great battle all season long just to get to this point. Yes, indeed. Uh, It's a two-man battle. Uh, Like you say, Ty Gibbs has it pretty well wrapped up. Uh, but uh, there are some other positions that uh, folks will be racing for uh, in this race, and uh, it's kind of sad to see this season end. Uh, now, the Arkham and Art Series West is the other ARCA series that still has one more race left. Their last race will take place on November the 6th at noon Mountain Time. Uh, that is going to be 3 o'clock Eastern Time at Phoenix Raceway in the Arizona Lottery 100. Uh, You will be able to watch uh, live streaming of that race on Track Pass on NBC Sports Gold. Uh, But there's also racing coverage available at uh, ARCAracing.com. They'll have radio coverage as well as their Race Central that gives you updates of what exactly is happening at their race. So uh, a lot to look forward to here with these final two races in the Arkham and Night Series. Uh, Both series are going to be paired up with when the NASCAR National Series 
are also racing at those tracks. So that's going to make it interesting as well. It certainly does, and we've seen that in the past. Uh, that definitely plays a factor. One to hit on, though, the Arkham and Arts West Series, you said that they only have that one race uh, left now to go. And this series, you couldn't have asked for a better championship race. <laughs> no kidding. As heading into that final, five drivers are separated by six points. The top five separated by six points. So that one is clearly game on. It definitely is. Uh, uh, the, these drivers, uh, you have more drivers that are in the the running, if you will, uh, because uh, all top all of the top ten drivers have uh, raced all of the races in the Arca West, and so it's made it really interesting uh, to see how these uh, guys are kind of jockeying for position. Now, Jesse Love has held the lead for most of the season, but now just one point difference. Well, he does still hold the points lead, you're right, but it is by a point after Paul Pedronicelli Jr. picked up this win this past weekend and got in position uh, to have a shot at this championship. Jake Drew, only three points back. Joey East, another one that has one of the victories in this series, is five points back. And then mentioned Cole Moore as the fifth spot is only six points back. We know that that can be accomplished in one race <laughs> real easily. Uh, six on okay. back, Trevor Huddleston, minus 15 back. He's in that category we talk about. He can still do it mathematically, just needs a little help and uh, help from five different drivers above him. Yes, indeed. Uh, you you left off with Todd Souza. Uh, Todd Souza. I left off with Trevor Huddleston. Uh, Souza's a little oh. bit further back. Go ahead with them. Okay, Todd Souza is in that seventh spot. Uh, to two, he's twenty six points back. Takuma Koga, the best season he's had in the Arca. Uh, West, and he's 51 points back. Bridget Burgess in nine is 69 points. Uh, and in the 10th spot is Bobby Hillis Jr., 77 points back. But what I love about this series is all 10 of those drivers have participated in all eight races. So this has been super competitive. Uh, and as you pointed out, those top six drivers all within 15 points of the league. Well, and, and I mentioned this. I, th I think we kind of talked about it already, I think, earlier in the year at this race, when you talk about Phoenix Raceway, where, where they'll end up their championship. Trevor Huddleston, all he can do is go out and win the race and see what happens behind him. Well, that happens to be a good track for him. So uh, I'm sure that's mm -hmm. his game plan, all, game plan all the way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. Uh, so we'll have to see how this continues to play out. Uh, there's some impressive stats among those top five drivers, and uh, I definitely encourage everybody to tune in for this Arkham Menard Series West race. It is going to be an interesting race, without a doubt. I want to go ahead and get started uh, with our update on the Camping World Truck Series, because... Uh, I'm, I, I know we're limited for time here tonight since we're uh, doing this inside of an hour. 
So uh, we've got a few extra minutes here. Like we're going to use them and move on because we're going to need them later on for the Xfinity and Cup Series. Okay, the next race up for the Camping World Truck Series is actually going to be at Martinsville. So they are not racing this weekend, but they will be racing the United Rentals 200 on Saturday, October the 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, we'll give you more details about that when we do our preview show, but we do have some updates here in the Camping World Truck Series that we want to make sure we cover with you guys to keep everybody up to date with what's going on within that series. Well, you're right. They've been off for for a week or so, and we still got a week before we see them back. A week or two before we see them back on track. So, when talk about the uh, Camping World Truck Series when they do return to action at Martinsville Speedway, there's going to be a lot of be- beating and banging on that racetrack, as there's going to be a lot on the line. Let's look at the eight challengers uh, at Martinsville Speedway that are still in the round of eight for the playoffs. You got John Hunter Nemechek. And at Martinsville, 12 races, he's got one win, four top fives, and average finish is 14.3, which gives him a driver rating of 86.3. And Ben Rhodes has only 10 starts, has two poles, three top fives, and five top tens. Average finish is 10.8, and driver rating of 93.2. And you got the experience of Matt Crafton, 37 starts uh, on the track, one pole, two victories, 10 top fives, and 21 top tens. He also has an average finish of 10.8, driver rating a little bit better at 98.3. Then you got Sheldon Creed, only has four starts at the paperclip. And looking at this chart, we're missing somebody. I'll have to figure out who it is here. But Sheldon Creed's got four starts, has one top 10. Average finish, though, 13.8. Driver rating is 83.9. Next comes Stuart Friesen, uh, seven starts, one pole, one top five, four top tens. Driver rating, or uh, average finish, sorry, 11.3. Driver rating is 86.5. Carson Hosevar and Zane Smith. Is Smith. The guy that's missing. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought it was one of the Smiths, and I see Zane Smith, so we'll have to see if I can find. Uh, Chandler's stats here, but Carson Hosevar and Zane Smith mentioned one each for their starts. Uh, Zane having a top five as well as one top ten. Carson Hosevar none, but his average finish is still just outside the top ten at 13.0. Driver rating a little lower at 74.3. Zane's average finish, again one start with a top five, is 3.0. So his driver rating is 124.9. And I'm not seeing anywhere where it gives me Chandler Smith, so. Yeah, I don't know why he got left off of that chart, but he certainly did. Um, and uh, we'll let uh, Jay look for that when I cover this next section, and maybe he can give us an update. First-time winners is a trend in the Camping World Truck Series in Young Motorsports. Kate Fogelman was the 50-front first-time winner this season in the Truck Series with Rising Wind just two weeks ago at Talladega Super Speedway, joining Martin Truex Jr., who won on the Bristol Dirt, Ryan Priest at Nashville, 
Chandler Smith at Bristol and Christian Eckes at Las Vegas. With Fogelman's victory, the 21 season becomes the third consecutive season and 14th overall uh, from 1995 to the present that the NASCAR Truck Series has produced five or more first-time winners in a single season. Every season since the inception of the series in 95 has uh, produced at least one first-time winner, and the 2012 season holds the NASCAR Truck Series record for the most first-time winners in the series in a single season at nine. Martinsville Speedway has been home to 11 different first-time winners, in the NASCAR Truck Series, and the most recent winner was Todd Gilliland's win in 2019. Uh, just to list off some of the drivers who had got their very first win at Martinsville, uh, let's see, we'll start with the year 2000. Bobby Hamilton did it in April of 2000, Scott Riggs in April of 2001, Jamie McMurray, October of 2004, Ricky Craven got his first victory in October of 2005. Bobby Labonte won his first race in April of 2005. Timothy Peters won his first truck race in October of 2009. Denny Hamlin won his first truck race in October of 2011. Then it was Bubba Wallace again in October in 2013. Joey Logano got his first Truck Series win in March of 2015, Noah Gregson again in October of 2017, and Todd Gilliland in the 19. I would say the fall race pretty much prevails there uh, as far as first-time winners. Okay. Certainly does appear so, so that makes it that much more exciting. And I did a little research here on... Uh, racing info, racing reference info, and I think I come up with a conclusion that should have been obvious when we started. I don't think Chandler Smith has a start at Martinsville. <laughs> oh, that's so, why he's so not thus, on So there. thus would have no stats. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. But they could, they could have put have that to... in the notes for us, right? That would have helped. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as we slide up here and continue to talk as I move into Martinsville, let me see if these are two separate. I got the outlook following Talladega Super Speedway. No driver is locked in. So that's another big thing that every driver really is going to be fighting for the win because that is the only guaranteed lock-in way. As they reset the points coming out of Talladega, I'm sorry, not reset the points, but the way the points sit coming out of Talladega into this final race of the round of eight. You got John Hunter Nemechek back on top. Yeah, it is. Uh, 36 points from the cutoff line. Now, that's a pretty good margin. However, Ben Rhodes is right behind him with 35. And these have been built up. We got five race wins for uh, Nemechek, 11 stage wins for a total of 50 points. So that's how that comes into play. Rhodes has two wins, two stage wins, and a total of 19 playoff points. From here back, it is going to be a wild one. Uh, You can't even say John Hunter Nemechek and Ben Rhodes are safe, but that is half a race worth of points that they they are up currently. Matt Crafton, 
He is sits in third. He is only 10 points to the good. Sheldon Creed, five to the good. Uh, three wins and seven stage wins. He had 26 points built up, but had some uh, rough races here in this round. So he is only five points to the good. Starting on the bottom side of that line, Stuart Friesen, the one five below. Chandler Smith and uh, Carson Hosevar and Zane Smith. Chandler Smith currently sits at minus 34. Carson Hosevar, minus 37. And Zane Smith, minus 40. Mathematically possible, but those three got to obviously realize they are pretty much all but got to win situations. Yes, indeed. And we'll talk about uh, the Clint scenarios here. With non-playoff drivers taking the first two races in the Truck Series playoffs in the round of eight, the race for the championship. Okay, I don't know if you went out completely, Sharon. I don't hear you anymore. I don't want to over talk over over Sharon, but I'm not hearing her, so I'm wondering if she didn't get disconnected. I am going to attempt to pick up here where she was talking about with the clinch scenarios, wide open for the championship round of four. She mentioned non-playoff drivers taking those first two races uh, of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs round of eight. So that chase or race for the championship four round wide open, and all eight drivers still have a shot at those four coveted spots. Mentioned no driver has clinched a spot in the four-driver field for that next round. Now, if there's a win by a driver who cannot advance to the next round, the following drivers would clinch, being ahead of the fifth winless driver in the standings. The same point requirements listed would hold true if the new win comes from John Hunter Nemechek, Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, or Sheldon Creed as the top four. John Hunter Nemechek would only need 20 points to clinch, so he can pick that up in those first two stages. Ben Rhodes, one point behind, only needs 21. Matt Crafton, he needs to pick up 46 points, whereas Sheldon Creed is 51 points. Stuart Friesen, Chandler Smith, Carson Hosevar, and Zane Smith can all only clinch with some help. Now, if there's a new winner from Stuart Friesen or another winless driver lower in the standings but still eligible to advance to the next round, the following drivers could clinch by being ahead of the fourth winless driver in the standings. There, John Hunter would only need 25 points, Rhodes 26, Crafton 51, but then Sheldon Creed falls into the category with the Friesen, Chandler and Zane Smith and Hosevar as needing help. Now mentioned, all eight drivers can clinch on their win alone this weekend. So all eight, they pick up that victory. They are locking themselves into that championship four. Sharon, are you back on? Okay, I'm not real sure what's going on here. Again, I don't know if uh, others can hear Sharon or not. I am not hearing her. So I'm going to scroll back up here. 
We'll talk about Martinsville Speedway again, the playoff race winners, and as well as comparing to race number six in the Camping World Truck Series playoffs. After a wild Camping World Truck Series race at Talladega Super Speedway, granted mentioned Tate Fogelman his first career victory, the series has three weeks to regroup before heading to Martinsville Speedway for that pendulant race of the season. And that'll be the United Reynolds 200 come on October 30th. Again, we'll preview this uh, in the coming week. Uh, October 30th, 1 p.m. Eastern. It'll be on FS1 MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. And that will decide who advances to the championship four. Now, with the first two races of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs, round of eight being won by non-playoff drivers, uh, Christian Christian Eckes doing it at Las Vegas, and Tate Fogelman at Talladega, None of the eight postseason contenders have secured that spot in the championship four round yet, which is the second time since the inception of these playoffs in the series back in 2016 that none of the championship four drivers were locked in heading into the round of eight elimination race, the other time being 2019. Martinsville Speedway had participated in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs since its inception in the series in 2016, but it has occupied three different spots on that postseason schedule. From 2016 to 2018, Martinsville hosted the fourth race of the playoffs. In 2019, it hosted the fifth race in the middle of that round. And then last season is when it started hosting the sixth race of the playoffs, which is the same event as this year. And it is the cutoff for the round of eight. Now, the 2021 season marks just the second time Martinsville Speedway has hosted that pendulant race in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs, again, going with 2020 and now 2021, and is the second track to host the round of eight elimination in the playoffs joining Phoenix Raceway, which did it from 2016 to 2019, and we know they've now moved on to hosting the championship race. Now, the sixth race in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs has produced five different winners in as many races from 2016 to 2020. Only once has a non-playoff driver won that sixth race in the seven-race Camping World Truck Series playoffs, and that was Daniel Suarez back in 2016, who had elected to run for the title in the NASCAR Xfinity Series that season. The last four winners in the sixth race of the Truck Series playoffs catapulted them into the championship four rounds. We'll look at that as far as race six. <clears throat> Wherever it be, uh, last year in 2020, it was Grant Enfinger, and again, that was right here at, at Martinsville where we're going to race next. When it was a uh, Phoenix Raceway, Stuart Friesen did it in 2019. Brett Moffitt was your victor in 2018. Johnny Sauter in 2017 and then mentioned Daniel Suarez in 2016 but it did not advance him to the playoffs as he wasn't eligible for it now when we look at Martinsville the five playoff races that Martinsville has hosted uh, in those different spots I mentioned it's produced four different winners led by Thor Sports Racing's Johnny Sauter with two postseason victories at the half mile track coming in 2016 and 2018 So when we look at those 
one of them still being the same, uh, Grant Anfinger, did it in the fall of October 30th when it was race number 22 at Martinsville. When it was race number 21 at Martinsville, it was Todd Gillen in 2019. In 2018 on back, then again, it was race number 20. Johnny Sauter did it in 18. Noah Gregson in 2017. And going back to 2016, that was the first one that Johnny Sauter picked up. Now, of the playoff contenders this season, Helmar Friesen's Racing's Stuart Friesen is the only former series winner that has won the sixth race in the playoffs to clinch his spot into the championship four round. He accomplished that feat in 2019, sorry, with a win at Phoenix. The winner of the sixth race in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs has gone on to win the title that same year only once, and that was accomplished by Brett Moffitt with his feat in 2018. Moffitt won at Phoenix Raceway, which then was the deciding uh, final event of the round, and then won again at Homestead, Miami for the championship finale to secure the title. When you look at just Martinsville, the winner of the Martinsville Speedway race in the Camping World Truck Series playoffs, they have gone on to win the title that same season only once as well. It's a little bit different, though. Johnny Sauter did it in 2016. He picked up the win at Martinsville. It was then the fourth race in the postseason, but still went on to win the championship later that season. This year, Martinsville Speedway NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoff race will be 200 laps, going to be 105.2 miles stages first two stages will be 50 laps each the final being 100 mentioned thor sport racing grant Enfinger, defending winner of the event and i think i hear sharon so sharon are we back up yep i'm back here i had to call in twice i'm not sure why i was dropped uh, i went through that whole section before i realized i was dropped so i apologize okay we will go on now to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, the end. This is the race this weekend for the Xfinity Series. Andy's Frozen Custard 335 at Texas Motor Speedway is Saturday, October the 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, pre-race coverage will be on NBC starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern and radio coverage on TRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio channel 90. They'll be covering a distance of 300 miles over 200 laps. Stage 1 and Stage 2 are both 45 laps apiece, and with Stage 1 ending on lap 45, Stage 2 on lap 90, and the final stage is 110 laps ending on lap 200. What do we have for the Xfinity Series, Jay? Well, we mentioned it's coming down to the end of the season, so cover some things we already know about next year as more and more information is going to start coming out. We got Sheldon Creed. Uh, We knew he was moving to the number two for Richard Childress Racing. Well, together they announced that earlier this season uh, he would pilot the number two Chevrolet for the team in 2022. But this week they announced that Wheeling Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, will be the primary partner for Creed's rookie year in that number two for the full season. Very cool. 
Also, we have uh, Michael and Matt retiring from full-time competition after the 21 season. Uh, He announced that he will be retiring from full-time driving duties at the end of this Xfinity Series season. Uh, His career actually spans over 16 years, spending 11 of them in the Xfinity Series and three of them in the Cup Series and Camping World Truck Series. And that's first and only Xfinity Series career win so far came at Daytona International Speedway, and that was the season opener of 2019. He also won at Kentucky Speedway in 2008 in the Truck Series. Now, Annette suffered from an injury this year, forcing him to miss a handful of races for junior motorsports. Annette is 35 and has competed in more than 430 races across all of NASCAR's top series. So uh, we wish Michael Annette the very best. Uh, Most certainly. (laughs) Excuse me. The other one, uh, news notes we got here, also relates to RCR as Big Machine Racing will be partnering with them in 2022. Big Machine Racing announced that it will return to the Xfinity Series in 2022 with Jade Buford as its driver, and the team will also now work with Richard Childress Racing in an enhanced partnership. Big Machine's record CEO, Scott uh, Bershetter, made uh, helped make the announcement Talk about the uh, partnership and pairing up with Richard and all the accomplishments of his organization. So, obviously, a, a big boost, I think, for both sides. I know we talked about this on our Hot Topics. Uh, partnerships like this definitely help both sides. Absolutely. Uh, next, we'll take a look at the clinch scenarios uh, and the reset after the road course. The round of eight begins this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway, where eight drivers will be fighting for their spot in the championship four round. Right now, of course, none of the eight drivers have clinched a spot in the final round uh, because Texas is the first race of three. So uh, the following drivers can clinch with the win alone, uh, and that would be all of those drivers, A.J. Allmendinger, Austin Sendrick, Justin Algauer, Noah Gregson, Daniel Hemrick, Justin Haley, Harrison Burton, and Brandon Jones. Heading into this weekend, uh, Allmendinger, Sendrick, Algauer, Noah Gregson are the four drivers that are above the cut line, while it's Daniel Hemrick, Justin Haley, Harrison Burton, and Brandon Jones Uh, represent the four drivers below the cut line. But when it comes down to these final races in the season, those numbers can be shaken up fairly easily. If a driver has one bad race, they can actually find themselves going from above the cut line to below the line. Almendinger is 34 points above the cut line and has 50 playoff points after his fifth win of the season at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course last weekend. He has the most comfortable points buffer of all the drivers as he's ranked first in the standings. Sendrick is 28 points above that cut line, but from there, Algauer is only five points above, and Gregson is one point above. Hemrick is only one point below the line. Jones has the biggest deficit to fight back from as he's 14 points below the cut line in eight. But as we know, anything can happen in the playoffs, and all it takes is a win, and you're in for these eight drivers. 
So the drivers that were actually eliminated last year, or last year, uh, last week, were Jeb Burton, Myatt Snyder, Jeremy Clements, and Riley Earps. Uh, they are all in the positions 9th through 12. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, Brandon Jones is 14 points back. Uh, he's got the biggest deficit. He does have the one-stage win, giving him three playoff points. Harrison Burton has two-stage wins for eight playoff points. Justin Haley has the one-race win and five-stage wins, giving him 15 playoff points. And Daniel Hemrick uh, has zero race wins, nine-stage wins for 16 playoff points, putting him one point below that cut line. Now, for the drivers that are above the cut line, uh, again, Noah Gregson, one point above, but he has the two race wins, three-stage wins, and 17 playoff points. Justin Algauer has the two wins, three stage wins, and 21 playoff points. He's five points above, so he's not safe. Austin Sendrick has the five wins, nine stage wins for 44 playoff points, and that puts him 28 points above the cut line. And A.J. Allmendinger, five race wins, 10 stage wins, 50 playoff points, giving him a cushion of 34 above the cut line. So this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. It does. And what I, my first thought there when you mentioned it, I'm like, if he's got the 50 playoff points, how come he wasn't further away from the cut line? Because these other drivers have amassed, starting with Justin Haley in that neighborhood, you know, 15 points. Uh, so, you know, it's not just about what you're doing. It's what these other teams are doing. So such an interesting Absolutely. round here. We're going to look at the eight drivers. You want to do these two by two? All right. As we scout the 2021 round of eight Xfinity Series playoff drivers at Texas, this weekend's race at Texas Motor Speedway, kicking off the round of eight for the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs, where all eight will be fighting for their spot in the championship four uh, round. Only three chances to do so. They come at Texas, Kansas, and then Martinsville. As Sharon mentioned, uh, starting around, nobody is locked into the championship four, but we'll look at their stats for Texas, and I will go with Justin Haley. He's driver of the number 11, colleague racing Chevrolet. He's going to be making his sixth start at Texas on Saturday. There's a total of four top tens in those five starts. Uh, most recently, he started second and finished ninth earlier this season. He has a best finish of seventh, and that came in 2019 and 2020, 2020 at the track. Is an average start at 12.8. Average finish is 12.6. Brandon Jones, one that has to make up uh, more, he's the driver of the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, has 11 starts to his name at Texas. Made his first start in 26, started ninth and finished ninth. Most recently, he started third and finished ninth early in 2021. There's a total of two top fives and five top tens in those 11 starts. Best finish is fourth coming in 2019. He has led at 47 laps. Average start is 7.6. The average finish, however, 17.4. Okay, next up we have Harrison Burton, driver of the number 20, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, 
making his fifth start this weekend at Texas. Burton won this race in 2020 after starting from the 12th spot. And earlier this season, he started 18th, but was involved in a wreck that forced him to finish 30th. He has one win, two top fives, and three top tens in his four starts at the track. And he's also led 43 laps. Daniel Hemrick, the driver of the number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, is making his sixth start at Texas on Saturday. In his five starts, he has two top fives and three top tens, and most recently he started fifth earlier this season and finished fourth. He's led laps 94 in total in his last three starts, and he has a best finish of third from 2018. Noah Gregson, driver of the number nine junior motorsport Chevrolet. He's got five starts at Texas. There's one top five and two top tens in those starts. Uh, most recently, he started 30th and worked his way up to seventh in the race earlier in 2021. He has the best finisher runner-up in this exact race in 2020. Led a total of 56 laps. Has an average start of 14.8. Average finish is 16.4. The other junior motorsports team in the playoffs is the driver of the number seven junior motorsports Chevrolet is Justin Algar. He'll make his 23rd career start at Texas Motor Speedway on Saturday. His first start at the track came back in way back in 2008. In the 22 starts, he has three top fives and 11 top tens. Has led 193 laps. His average start is 12.5 and an average finish of 12.4. Most recently, he started 16th at the track earlier this season and ended up with a runner-up finish. Next, we have uh, the driver of the number 16, Colic Racing Chevrolet, and that is A.J. Yamendinger, the 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series regular season champion. He's making only his second Xfinity Series start at Texas this weekend. And in his first start earlier this season, he started on the pole and ended up finishing in sixth. He led eight of 171 laps. Austin Sendrick, the driver of the number 22, Team Penske Ford, has made seven starts at Texas with his first start coming in 2018. In his seventh start, he has one win last year, five top fives and six top tens, and he's led 106 laps. He has an average start of 8.7 with an average finish of 4.9. Most recently, he finished third earlier this season at the track after starting fourth in in this race last year. He started seventh and finished in fourth place. Next up, we have some Xfinity Series facts and figures from Texas Motor Speedway's edition. Um, it's not, there's not a time to cool off for the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs. Uh, this weekend in the Andes, uh, Custard 335 on Saturday, uh, the round of eight gets underway. There have been 41 Xfinity Series races at Texas Motor Speedway. The first Xfinity Series race took place on April 5th of 97 and was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Mark Martin. There have been 24 different pole winners and 21 different race winners in the 41 races at Texas 
Eric Jones holds the records for the youngest poll winner at 18 years, 9 months, and 11 days in 2015. Mark Martin holds the record as the oldest poll winner at 47 years, 9 months, and 26 days in 2006. Only six races in history have pole or first starting position, and most recently, Ryan Blaney won from the pole in 2018. Cal Bush holds the race record at Texas from April 5, 2008 at 151.707 miles per hour. Jeff Green holds the qualifying record from April 6, 2002 at 193.493 miles per hour. In the most recent race at the Fort Worth, Texas track in June, there were 40 cars in the field with 14 lead changes, eight different leaders. There were 10 cautions for 52 laps and 26 cars finished on the lead lap. 32 cars were running at the finish and 94 laps were led by the race winner, Kyle Busch. The margin of victory was 0.433 seconds, and the largest uh, margin of victory in track history was at 5.561 seconds in 2019. The smallest was 2007, when it was 0.128 seconds. Cal Bush leads the Xfinity Series in the most stat categories at Texas. He has the most polls for the most wins at 10, the most top fives at 17, the most top tens at 18, the most lead lap finishes at 20, and the most laps completed at 4,463, with the most led at 1,795. Kurt Busch, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Chase Elliott, Eric Jones, all got their first Xfinity Series win at Texas Motor Speedway. Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin, and David Reagan all got their first pole at the track as well. Now imagine that, uh, talking about the track records, and it involves Kyle Busch. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we move on to the Cup Series, we're going to talk about how we got to this position. A.J. Allmendinger remains undefeated at the Charlotte Road Course as we lock down the round of eight for the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs. Elmendinger has made three starts at the Charlotte Motor Speedway road course, including Saturday's uh, Drive for the Cure 250 presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina, and he has won all three of them. He won that third straight race at the 2.32-mile 17-turn road course, clinched his spot there into the round of eight in the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs. The win was the fifth of the season and the tenth of his career. And winning for the sixth time on a road course, Allmendinger is now the winningest Xfinity Series driver on road courses in the series as well. Mentioned Saturday's race was also that final chance for drivers to make their way into the round of eight. Unfortunately, four drivers uh, not able to and were eliminated from the playoffs. Mentioned Jeb Burton, Myatt Schneider, Jeremy Clements, and Riley Herbst. This weekend, as the series heads to Texas Motor Speedway 4, that Andy's Frozen's Custard 335. Uh, this r- marks the first race of the round of eight. Then they'll head to Kansas Speedway and then Martinsville Speedway, which will decide our championship four. 
Already talked about the breakdown of 300 miles, 200 laps, stage one ending on 40, lap 45, stage two ending on lap 90. Metric qualifying has already set the field for this weekend, and it will be A.J. Allmendinger leading the field to green with Austin Sindrick joining him on the front row. Hemrick Haley, Gregson Algar, Jones and Harrison Burton will make up the top eight starting spots as your playoff drivers. Okay, next up we'll cover the NASCAR Cup Series race at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, They'll be racing the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500 on Sunday, October the 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. NBC will carry pre-race coverage at 1.30 p.m. And radio coverage will be on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. 501 miles over 334 laps. Stage 1 ending on lap 105. Stage 2 also 105 laps ending on lap 210. And the final stage ends on the last lap uh, for 224 laps. And that is lap 334. So uh, what do we have here in the uh, Cup Series to share? Well, the Charlotte Road Course wasn't done after this weekend's racing as the next-gen test took place there on the Charlotte Road Course. The NASCAR Cup Series conducted a next-gen car test at Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course Monday and Tuesday of this past week total of 21 teams participated with 25 different drivers sharing seat time during the test. Uh, for photos and audio from the press conferences during the sessions, you can uh, visit the Next Gen Car Content Hub uh, on NASCARmedia.com. No, they, they can't. That's for media members. Okay. Uh, yeah. The uh, unofficial speeds I know are posted from the two days of testing uh, right at just on NASCAR.com, and I think JSKI.com has them up as well. Okay. All right. Next up, we have a three-way tie for the most cup wins at Texas heading into the playoffs this weekend at the track. Roush Fenway Racing, Hendrick Motorsports, and Joe Gibbs Racing are all tied for the most cup wins at Texas Motor Speedway with nine victories apiece. Uh, Boating the question, who will break the tie? Joe Gibbs Racing is the most recent points-paying race winner at the track with Kyle Busch taking the checkered flag last year in the playoff race, but it was Hendrick Motorsports' Kyle Larson who won the NASCAR All-Star Race held at Texas back in June. Below is a list of uh, Rush Fenway Racing, Hendrick Motorsports, and Joe Gibbs Racing's Cup Series victories at Texas. We'll start with Roush Fenway Racing. Jeff Burton won there in the spring of 97. Mark Martin in 98. Matt Kenseth the spring of uh, 2002 and 2011. Greg Biffle in 2005 and 2012. Carl Edwards in 2005. And he swept in 2008. For Hendrick Motorsports, it was Terry Labonte winning in the spring of 2099. Jeff Gordon in the spring of 2009. Jimmy Johnson won the playoffs in 2007, the playoffs in 2012, and again the playoffs in 2013, 14, and in the spring of 2015. 
and back to the playoffs in 2015 and the spring of 2017. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, Tony Stewart won in 2006. Denny Hamlin had a 2010 sweep, and also in the spring of 2019. Kyle Busch in the spring of 2010 at 16 18, and in the playoffs of 2020. Carl Edwards won in the playoffs of 2006. So uh, pretty cool to see uh, those three organizations having so many wins at that track. Who's going to break the tie, we wonder? Well, I would count on it being part of the playoff bubble, most likely, as we got the Elite Eight headed to Texas. Now, since the NASCAR Cup Series introduced the elimination-style format in 2014, Texas Motor Speedway playoff race winner has advanced to the championship four round in four of the seven seasons from 2014 to 2020. Carl Edwards in 2016, Kevin Harvick in 2017 through 19. Now we're down to the eight playoff drivers vying for four spots in this next round. And for the eight, our former winners at Texas. Now, I know these aren't split the way they usually are, but it, Sharon, did you want to do two by two here as well? Yeah, we should. Um, right. I can go ahead and get started with the bottom two, and then we'll move up from there. All right. Okay, Brad, Brad Keselowski. Um, Brad Keselowski currently occupies the eighth and last position in the Cup Series playoff round of eight and is 16 points behind his teammate, Ryan Blaney, in the final championship four round transfer spot. Keselowski has put up one win, eight top fives, 14 top tens this year, and the Michigan native advanced to the round of eight for the fifth time in his career. He also did it in 14 15, 17, 20, and now this year. Now he's looking to make the championship four round for the third time in his cup career. He also won, uh, was in the championship four in 17 and 20. Keselowski's made 25 starts at Texas, posting five top fives and 10 top tens. His average finish at the 1.5-mile track is 168 now, Joey Logano advanced to the Cup Series playoffs uh, round of eight this last weekend at Charlotte. It was the seventh time in his career uh, to advance out of the second round. He did it in 14, 15, 16, 18, 19, 20, and this year. Logano has been impressive this season, grabbing one win, 10 top fives, and 17 top tens. Now the 31-year-old is ranked seventh. In the standings, just 11 points behind his Team Penske teammate, Ryan Blaney, in fourth. And that's the final transfer spot. Logano is looking to make the final round for the fifth time in his career. He also did it in 14, 16, 18, and 20. And the 2018 Cup Series champion has made 25 starts at Texas, posting one win, 11 top fives, and 14 top tens, his average finish at Texas is 13.4. Well, not a, a position we expected him to be in, but Chase Elliott has managed to overcome an on-track feud with Kevin Harvick to barely scrape into the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs round of eight last weekend at the Charlotte Road Course. And now the 2020 Defending Series Championship 
finds himself six in those playoff standings, two points back from Team Penske's Ryan Blaney in the fourth and final championship uh, four-round transfer spot. This season, Elliott has been superb, collecting two wins, 13 top fives, and 18 top tens. The 25-year-old Elliott is looking to make the championship four-round for the second time in his career, the first coming when he win, picked up the uh, overall championship in 2020. He's made 10 series starts at Texas, posting two top fives and five top tens. His average finish at the 1.5-mile track is 12.0. Now, in between there, you got Kyle Busch. He's the only active multiple-series champion uh, from 2015 and 2019 that enters the NASCAR Cup Series round of eight, and he's for the sixth time in his career. He's done it in 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, and now in 2021. On the year, Kyle Busch has put up two wins, 13 top fives and 19 top tens. The Las Vegas native finds himself one point back from Ryan Blaney in that fourth and final transfer spot to the championship four round. Qualified for the championship four round in five of the last six seasons. His five championship four rounds from 2015 to 2019 appearances are tied with Kevin Harvick for the NASCAR Cup Series most. And if he makes the final round again this season, he will break that tie and become the NASCAR Cup Series sole leader in championship four round appearances at six. When we talk about Texas Motor Speedway, Bush has made 30 series starts and leads all active drivers in wins with four coming in 2013, 16, 2018, and then 2020. He's also put up 14 top fives, 17 top tens, and the average finish at Texas is 10.9. Okay, next up we have Ryan Blaney. He leads the Team Penske Brigade into the Cup Series playoffs, uh, and Blaney has collected three wins, 10 top fives, and 18 top tens this season. The 27-year-old is currently fourth in the standings. That's the final transfer spot to the round of four, and only one point ahead of Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch in fifth. Now, Blaney is looking to make that final round for the first time in his series career. He's made 12 series starts at Texas, posting three top fives and six top tens. His average finish at the track is a 17.2. Martin Truex was the final driver to advance in on points for the round of eight at the Charlotte Road Course, but 2017 Series champion is no stranger to the postseason adversity. To this point in the season, he's posted four wins, 11 top fives, and 17 top tens. Truex is third in the standings, a mere six points ahead of uh, the round of four cutoff, and is looking to make his final round for the fifth time in his career. He's done it in 15, 17, 18, and 19, and he's made 31 starts at Texas, putting up five top fives and 17 top tens. His average finish at Texas is a 13.6. And now for the last two. Well, we saw this coming from earlier in the year. Denny Hamlin remains one of the top performers this season, now having put up two wins. Hold on one second, my computer. Okay, there we go. Having put up two wins, 17 top fives, and 23 top tens. 
He's currently ranked second in the playoff standings with 4,030 points, just seven points ahead of the championship four round cut line. Hamlin is looking to make the championship four round for the fourth time in his career, 14 and then 2019 and 2020. Hamlin has made 30 series starts at Texas, amassing three wins where he swept in 2010 and then picked up another one in 2019. Got a total of seven top fives and 13 top tens. Average finish at the 1.5-mile track is 13.8. And now Kyle Larson continues to be red hot this season as he grabbed his seventh win of 2021 and his second in the playoffs as second of the playoffs this past weekend at the Charlotte Road Course. Larson is currently the playoff standings leader with 4,065 points. That puts him 35 points ahead of second place, Danny Hamlin, 42 points up on the championship four-round cutoff. And he's looking to make the championship four-round for the first time in his career. Larson has made 13 starts at Texas, has posted three top fives, and four top tens. Average finish, a little high at Texas, 19.7. Yeah, but that doesn't seem to bother Kyle Larson this year. Uh, He's done really well uh, in the series. There's a lot here that we're not going to get to because we've run out of time, Uh, but we are coming up on uh, our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. I know uh, joining us is going to be Tommy Kraft, so uh, we'll keep an eye out for him uh, to come on board here. Uh, so right now we've covered the uh, Kyle Larson uh, got his seventh win and joins Rare Company. Uh, just a real quick, I'll cover this. Uh, he uh, Larson's most recent victory makes him the 21st different driver in NASCAR Cup Series modern era from 72 to the present to win seven or more races in a single season, just the sixth different driver to accomplish that feat. He joins Denny Hamlin, who did it in 2010 and 2020, Kevin Harvick in 2018 and 2020, Kyle Busch in 2008 and 18, Martin Truex in 17 and 19, and Ryan Newman in 2003. So, uh, The record for the modern area for most wins in a single cup season is 13 by Hall of Famers Jeff Gordon in 98 and Richard Petty in 75. Petty also holds the all-time record for most cup wins in a single season at 27 and 48 starts in 1967. So uh, Larson is coming back as the most recent winner at the track, having won the all-star race back in June. In total, Larson has 13 series starts, again, posting three top fives and four top tens. So uh, we'll see what he does this weekend and see if he's the first driver uh, to uh, punch his ticket into that final. Definitely going to be interesting. Uh, Again, this is the first race, so kind of a wide open. Danny Hamlin has picked up the victory in the first two rounds. Uh, His first two wins of the season became the first race of each round. Uh, that's not a bad uh, trend to set. Uh, I'm sure he'd like to have more wins throughout the season, but if you're going to win a race, win the first race of a round, you automatically lock into that next <laughs> round. Sets you up pretty good. It does. It does. 
Okay, we are at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're actually at 9.31, and it's now time for us to start NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us uh, for tonight's session is uh, Tommy Kraft. So, first of all, Tommy, welcome to the show. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. Glad to be back home. Well, we are so happy to have you here as well, Tommy. I'm going to let you uh, kick us off tonight with the first hot topic. Let's go with um, 23XI not um, purchasing front rows charter. Yeah, that seems to have fallen through, Jay. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Well, I was going to say, Tommy goes to goes to his first ever NASCAR race, and he is absolutely on top of it. Been a regular on the show here the past couple of weeks, providing his insight. And I just finished posting that one up on the uh, on the cha- chat board, so uh, he's on top <laughs> of things tonight. <laughs> this one uh, kind of surprises me. We heard early on that that was pretty heavy, where the twenty three eleven felt they were going to get their charter. Not real sure what led to the talks uh, coming apart as 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 it the deal didn't happen uh, as they were quite a ways down the road with it. I know I heard the possibility. I think is that GMS was looking to team with them. I think that the fact that they want to kind of stay a two car team, stay within the Chevy Chevy ranks, uh, had some influence on that. That's my opinion on that. I don't know that for sure. Uh, like I said, we're not going to get all the details, but it was extremely surprising with how long they've been talking and uh, how far along they were with talks. So what that final decision was of, hey, this isn't going to work best in our favor from either side, kind of surprising, actually. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to ask you to give us some clarification because Mike actually posted this yesterday as well. Uh, sources indicating that 23XI or 2311's tentative deal for a charter from front row has collapsed uh, with front row walking away from the final talks. One option is to talk to Spire, which is expected to have at least two chargers in 22. Uh, FRM could remain a two-car cup team. And you, your comment here is heard this is where GMS comes in. Do you want to explain that? Well, that like I said, uh, that's just my my feeling on that. Of uh, that, I think they'd rather be partnered with GMS as a two car close knit team than under the Joe Gibbs Toyota slash umbrella down the line. That that was my personal opinion on on it as to why. Uh, like I said, it, it doesn't say why they uh, they wanted to pull out. They weren't getting what they wanted. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I think that uh, front row uh, is probably going to stay with the two cars, uh, the two charters, and still have two cars next year. Uh, 23-11 is uh, going to be looking at other uh, opportunities with Spire being at the top of that list. And, uh, you know, these things happen for a reason, uh, and I don't know if uh, – uh, you know, 2311 wasn't willing to pay what uh, Front Row was looking for or what caused it to collapse, but uh, it has collapsed, and now they're back to the drawing board uh, looking for another sponsor. So 
uh, we'll kind of have to see how it continues to play out. Tommy, what were your thoughts about that? Well, either way, I think 23XI is going to eventually get that charter that they're looking for, whether it be um, Spire. And I'm not – so I saw that, too, where somebody said GMS comes into play. Um, so do they – I know Ty Dillon's going to run for them, but do they have two charters or do they just have one? But uh, the other thing is, as I saw on Twitter, where Front Row is going to run two cars next year, or they're going to remain two cars. But I also yeah. saw this, and this is a this is unconfirmed. You know, it's just speculation. But I saw something where Front Row might want to switch to Toyota. Like I said, it was just speculation, and I saw that out there. I don't know where I saw that on Twitter. Who it was from? It was most likely Reddit or something. So you know, I don't know how legit that information is, but I did see where a possible switch to Toyota for front row or something, but um, that's interesting, but either way, I thought they were going to stay two cars, so I assume Michael McDowell's going to come back, uh, but what about Anthony Alfredo, or are they going to have another driver? Um, so, okay. Oh, sorry. You're not done? Go ahead, Tom. No, that's no, it's okay. You can go ahead and get it back to jail. I'll, I'll save it for the next round. Oh, okay. Jay? Well, with, without getting direct comments from the team on, on why they pulled out, and, and again, it, it, it implies that front row is the one that walked away from it, um, you know, something wasn't fitting their needs and wants. If they were going to switch over to Toyota, uh, you would think that that would, where they would want to be is uh, aligned with, 2311 is technically Joe Gibbs Racing has no more uh, space uh, under the main umbrella. So something tells me that they want to remain with with where they're at. And the other possibility is is more control of the team. If they outright sell it to 2311, uh, it's going to be run by that team. Uh, I think that maybe they want to keep the two charters, their own two teams, and have more control and look for an alliance more than an ownership part of it. So that, again, is, is just what I take from it, from what I'm reading and, and have heard. Um, it's definitely going to be uh, have to wait and see what happens or if they ever, again, mention of why they walked away. Once uh, any further announcements are made, maybe that will give us more information, particularly, say, a driver that they do happen to get or sponsorship or other alliances that are made. What about Anthony Alfredo? You think he'll be back, or will they look for somebody else to fill that seat? I I hate to say it, but I think that that's going to uh, come to an end for Anthony Alfredo. Uh, the fact that, especially the fact that they're protecting that charter real hard, um, I think that they're looking for um, a different driver. And, and Matt Benedetto comes to my mind. Uh, I know that. I heard or saw where he was talking to teams from all levels of NASCAR's top three. We haven't heard anything official yet, but that there are talks amongst all of them. And I know when we had this discussion in the past, maybe not be the best opportunity, but I think Matt Benedetto would make a good fit there, albeit maybe a step back and having to go to a team rebuilding and taking those steps. But we saw they were a winner this year. So I think Matt D would be a good fit there. And that's where I say maybe he didn't quite fit with the manufacturer deal in their plan, so they had to step away from the 2311 deal to pursue that. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. Uh, 
I, I do I fear that Anthony Alfredo may be out at front row and that uh, uh, somebody else might be stepping into that seat, especially with the caliber drivers that are available. And there's a number of them. Matt Benedetto's one. Uh, you know, we still don't know where Ryan Newman's going, although there's been some talk. Um uh Jeb Burton is still looking for a ride. He he's mentioned that he does has had uh Cup Series teams approach him. Uh it could be front row. Uh there's a number of drivers that could be considered for that front row seat. So I think it's gonna be interesting to see who does fill that second seat. Uh Tommy. I'm thinking the same thing as you guys, that Anthony Alfredo's out um next year. And uh, I think Newman, well, I don't know what Newman's going to do, but um, I'm hoping he takes the part-time at Roush and he switches to, like, the 16, 26, or 97 car or something. And then Matty D can go to the front row um, for Jeb Burton because there are those options out there, like you said. But um, it, it's crazy how... I feel like Spire's already sold like one or two charters, and now they're they've got like another one, and that's where twenty three XI. And it's crazy how they've factored into it so much, um, this charter stuff. But either way, next year there's going to be forty plus cars. It sounds like that are going to be competing on the track for wins. So it's a good thing, and there's a, there's a lot of teams, a lot of seats, and. I'm interested to see where some of these drivers land, like Matty D and Newman and all of them. So can't wait. Okay. Jay, what's our next top topic? Well, there's a couple different ones. Uh, one spinning off of that, but I think I'm going to go with a, one from today. NASCAR did talk to Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick about their on-track feud and essentially saying, knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tommy, your thoughts about that? Uh, mixed, um, because I kind of like the fact, because I do think that it needs to end, but at the same time, um, I was kind of hoping for the Matt Kids of Joey Logano situation in Martinsville between Chase and Kevin. I don't know who was going to wreck who, but either way, uh, it would have made it, more entertaining for sure, but I think either way, we all knew that NASCAR was going to step in eventually in on this. Um, we talked about it on Monday, and like we were all discussing, NASCAR did step in and basically said that it is like in the movie Days of Thunder when they called him in. <laughs> Maybe they can do the rental car scene and hash it out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope they they take care of it off the track. I hope they uh, get it out of their system and take care of it off the track. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying, though. A lot of fans want to kind of see that kind of uh, play out. But uh, uh, I do think that NASCAR had to step in uh, because and what I heard via Twitter is that it was a one-way conversation. NASCAR pretty much laid the law down and told them both that they were going to be uh, watching them very closely for the remainder of this season and uh, possibly into next season. I don't know why, but I still feel like Kevin Harvick 
uh, would like nothing more than to see Chase Elliott out of it. Um, and he still might try to find a way to make that happen. But uh, if he does, he's going to have to probably pay the price for it if he uh, does go that route. Uh, but I'm hoping that because he has kids uh, that he doesn't go that route. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. Jay? Well, I happened to be in the vehicle throughout the day listening to Sirius XM Speedway with Dave Moody, and, and you're right. He said he had it from uh, very reliable sources, not that anybody was in the holler or heard the direct audio from that conversation, but that it was a one-way, hey, this is done, we're not going to take it anymore, you've been warned. Um, there, you both mentioned uh, one thing to look at as to why. I'll start on that side, and then I'll talk about where I stand. From NASCAR's side, uh, Sharon, you mentioned it of that going forward, uh, one of them is in the playoffs and one of them isn't now. Uh, so they're in different situations. Prior to this past weekend, they were both still fighting for their position within the playoffs. Now Kevin Harvick has nothing to lose because he's no longer in the playoffs, whereas Chase Elliott mm-hmm. is. And you don't want to see the champion determined by an outside player. Uh, we've always seen that. They always talk to the drivers uh, prior to the championship four round. They don't say, hey, you got to pull over for these four drivers. However, do your best to not directly affect. And, again, if you win the race and, and outdrive everybody, that's not directly affecting them because they're still battling for their position that will determine the championship. But you directly take one of them out, that is determining it. So that's where NASCAR has to look at it. As well as then, as Tommy mentioned, we were talking about it on Monday night. Okay, so where's the where's the thrill of the championship for and the championship battle when we're talking about two drivers feuding on the track, whether they're in the championship or not? We didn't even talk as much about race winner Kyle Larson picking up his seventh victory of the year, being the most dominant, going into the uh, possibly going to the championship uh, for a round for the first time in his career because the talk was about Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott. So that's NASCAR's side of it. Now, do the fans want to see it, and is it good for the sport to have that kind of feud? I do think it is, and that's where I'm kind of leery about NASCAR stepping in. Uh, You know, that's my personal side to it. But I fully understand we saw it in the past between Brad Keselowski and Denny Hamlin. Most recently, Tommy mentioned Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth at Martinsville. Um, you know, NASCAR has to, to step in ahead of that because we don't want to see that. Uh, I still may get uh, negative feedback for this, but Matt Kenseth did a heck of a job at Martinsville. He picked his spot. He only took out Joey Logano. Now, could it have easily taken out some other drivers? Yeah, it could have. And that's where I give Matt Kenseth kudos. He timed it well and in, in, in the right spot at the right time. He only took out Joey Logano, so I felt it was kind of a, a good deal um, from that aspect. But you can't guarantee that because any driver could have come along. This past weekend it happened to be Cole Custer. Uh, and, again, he may not be in the playoffs, but he's, he's finishing out the season as strong as he possibly can. You're affecting other teams. So I do think that they needed to step in and at least take a look at it, uh, how harsh they want to be if the, if the feud continues between them. That's on them. Uh, I hopefully they don't say, "Hey, y'all got to be best friends," because that that adds to the sport, and you don't want to take that away either. 
I saw that too where um, when Chase Elliott was trying to get back to Harvick at the Red Bull that he got Custer, and um, I agree. Uh, I don't. I didn't really like that when they were going after each other, all the other cars that they could possibly get. And Matt Kenseth did. He he nailed it with Joey Logano. He did crush that. And what's funny is is whenever you look at that video and they show it, the fans you can hear them all cheering. It's just crazy. <laughs> Um, while that would be exciting to see that again, we already knew that NASCAR was going to step in and, and tell them to knock it off. We just knew that was coming. So, um, however, I kind of agree with Jay about the best friends thing. We don't want them, you know, to be best friends. We still want them to be a little bit of a rivalry there, but I guess not on the track, but still, they're definitely going to um, still race each other hard either way for sure. And uh, I still won't rule out rule it out. Maybe <laughs> didn't Kenseth get suspended two races for that? So maybe Harvick or Elliott's brave enough to do that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think he is brave enough to do that. Uh, we're still talking about him and Chase Elliott, like uh, Jay said, instead of talking about who the race winner is. And that's what Harvick's uh, stick is. Is uh, to keep people talking about him and what he's doing. Um, and and uh, I think that Martinsville is the perfect place for him to to uh, maybe make something happen, and it might not look like he did it on purpose, uh, but it's one of those racing deals. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, I think Kevin Harvick is bold enough uh, to take that risk. And I think he feels so adamant about it that if he's not going to make that final four, he doesn't want Chase Elliott to make it either. Uh, he did get a lot of boos. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people were booing for him while his car was on fire. Uh, I wasn't real happy about that because fire is dangerous for those drivers in the cars. And to be sitting there booing the driver while his life is at risk, uh, I granted there's a lot of safety features and all of that, um, but uh, uh, that should have been a message to Kevin Harvick, too, that what he's doing is not necessarily uh, liked by all of the fans. So we'll have to see how it continues to play out. Hopefully they've listened and we won't see anything more about it until maybe next year. <laughs> Jay, your final thoughts? Well, and this got talked about it. I mean, there are ways you can still uh, exact revenge, if you will. Um, and Chase Elliott was a prime example. Uh, at Bristol, he did not catch Kevin Harvick. However, he affected Kevin Harvick's race. So that's where mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting. If the opportunity arises, uh, we'll have to see. But if Chase Elliott is trying to get around Kevin Harvick, let me tell you, he's going to be tougher to pass than it is Ryan Newman. Uh, without mm-hmm. a doubt. So, uh, and then it would be on Chase Elliott to make sure he doesn't hit him because then he would be on the end of NASCAR's warning of, hey, don't touch. So uh, if that is exactly what words were used in their meeting. Um, so I think it can still be an interesting uh, feud going forward without the actual direct uh, running over one another. 
Uh, and that and that goes to so many different levels. You know, the team owner Rick Hendrick talked about it. He's like, "Hey, I got to foot the bill for this. Uh, let's chill." <laughs> and he knows that mm-hmm. even just telling amongst drivers. Uh, we heard it on the radio actually. It wasn't Chase Elliott that said, "Hey, I'm going to go get even." It was his crew, his crew chief, his spotter uh, that were encouraging it. So there's a lot that goes into it. So I, like I said, I do think NASCAR needed to at least talk to them how harsh and what kind of stance they got to take. I can't answer. I just don't want to see it be squashed because it is good for the sport overall as far as having that kind of rivalry and and, and drawing that kind of attention. And I know, Sharon, you mentioned it. Uh, Harvick's out of the playoffs. He still wants attention, and this is one way he can, he's going to get it. <laughs> exactly right. Okay, Tommy, you're up next. Let's go with John Hunter Nemechek returning to Kyle Busch Motorsports. Okay. Uh, Jay, I know you're a little surprised by that. I was, uh, Great for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Great for John Hunter Nemechek as far as winning and going after championships as he is this year. Uh, good for the truck series. But overall, I am a little shocked. Uh, I really felt he had obviously proved his his value, and there's a couple of spots we talked about possibly even at the Cup Series level, for sure at the Xfinity level, that we didn't see him move on. So a little uh, perplexed by it, uh, especially if it's Toyota that wants to keep him in the fold. Uh, we know several that are moving on from Joe Gibbs Racing uh, with Harrison Burton and Daniel Hemrick, that there is a car opening spot there, but they've been talking about downsizing. So a uh, little bit perplexed by it um, that he didn't move into at least the Xfinity series because uh, I, I would think that would be the next step of, okay, maybe not back up to the cup level, although we mentioned. Uh, I know he was at least talked about within the 2311 before Kurt Busch signed that deal, um, that there are opportunities where I think it would be better than what it was in the past uh, when he was at the cup level. So I, I'm a little shocked by it, but like I said, another year of going after a truck championship, which I really do feel he will with KBM Motorsports, uh, as he is this year, um, just ups his value. And, and maybe he doesn't go into the Xfinity, then he can go back directly into the Cup Series in 2023. <laughs> yeah, just imagine John Henry Nemechek. If he were to win the uh, championship this year, he could go back-to-back. Not very many truck series drivers have done that, uh, with the exception of Matt Crafton, or was it Johnny Sauter? One of them uh, did a back-to-back. I think it was Matt Crafton, a back-to-back Yeah, I believe the back-to-back was Crafton, yes. Yeah, and and I think uh, it would be kind of cool to see him do that. Uh, yeah, I was a little surprised to hear this news as well. I kind of thought he would be moving on to the Xfinity, possibly the Cup Series, uh, but uh, I didn't expect him to be coming back to the Truck Series this year. But in a, in a way, I'm kind of excited to see that happening. Uh, I think John Hunter Nemechek is a good fit. I do think the KBM... Um, you know, if you remember last year, I do have some issues with KBM uh, doing some things to help uh, the drivers win those races, uh, and there's some question about that. So 
I, I have to wonder if NASCAR is talking to those guys about some of the things that they did this year <laughs> that uh, kind of influenced uh, race winners and so forth. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. But uh, John Hunter Nemechek has been good for KBM in a lot of respects. Uh, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can go after another championship. I know he hasn't won this one yet, but we'll see what happens. Tommy? I really thought it was going to be Ty Gibbs in the 18 Xfinity car next year for Joe Gibbs and John Hunter Nemechek in the 24 Joe Gibbs in the Xfinity series. I really thought it was going to be that. But then right after he announced that he was going to be back at Kyle Busch Motorsports, Bob Podcast tweeted and said that he expects JGM to be two cars, Ty Gibbs and Brandon Jones most likely, you know, unconfirmed still, and then a third car where they would basically do what they're doing with the 54 car this year, just multiple different drivers. So uh, I'm sure John Hunter Nemechek will be one of those multiple drivers along with some of the cup guys that'll still run the Xfinity series races for them next year or whoever they throw in that car to run a couple races for them. Um, but yeah, surprise for sure. I really, we were talking about him at 23 XI possibly earlier this year. And I mean, it is interesting that if he wins the championship this year, he can compete for it again next year. But I'm also thinking though, if he was a championship this year, couldn't things change? Couldn't his plans change and he goes somewhere else maybe? But um, either way, good good news for Kyle Busch for the moment and, of course, for John Hunter Nemechek. But really thought he was going to be going elsewhere. Okay, Jay. So Tommy hit on something there. Um, make sure my speaker's still there. Okay. Uh that again, maybe they do have a two, three year plan. Hey, do another ser- uh, another run in the truck series next year. Being that Kyle Busch supposedly will not be making any more uh, Xfinity series starts, that number fifty four, what they call the all star team or fill in drivers, that he gets that opportunity. And we knew that was being discussed. And I think the sponsorship does tie in. Nemechek does not bring a lot of his own personal sponsorship. So maybe they need more time to, to tie together a package for that. But I think we will see him, as Tommy mentioned, uh, getting a few more starts in that number 54 all-star team, as, as they like to call it, when a team does that, uh, along with Denny Hamlin maybe making a few starts. Christopher Bell, we'll have to wait and see. But I think we will see him in some Xfinity Series starts and then have to wait and see. Like you said, maybe it is a two-, three-year plan that we just don't know all the details, but I would think, especially being that he has been so successful that Toyota would want to keep that tie um, tie into him. And we've seen this in the past, though, of, you know, you can only wait out so long, as we've seen several other drivers say, hey, you know, we've gotten as far as we can go with this manufacturer. If we want to keep going, we have to switch over. So it'll be interesting to see where where it comes down in 2023 uh, of where he goes now. Yes, indeed. It will be interesting to see where he goes from there. I agree. Uh, and, and, Tommy, you brought up a good point with that, that he could still be racing part-time 
in the Xfinity Series and possibly even the Cup Series. Uh, but uh, it would certainly be a part-time gig where this is going to be a full-time uh, chance for John Hunter Nemechek in the Truck Series uh, for next year. Uh, so I uh, I do think that that is a possibility. Uh, I don't see him staying in the Truck Series. I know Mike Orzel said this is kind of a surprise. I expected him to move up. I doubt he's setting his sights on Matt Craft and Johnny Sauter career path, at least not at this point. Yeah, I don't see that for him at this point either. I don't see John Hunter Nemechek uh, being a staple in the truck series. I do think uh, we'll see him moving on to the Xfinity or Cup uh, after this 2022 season. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts to wrap it up? I don't see him being a regular in the truck series either. And uh, I'm kind of surprised as well that he, uh, well, well, like we've already been discussing, I'm surprised that he didn't go elsewhere. But either way, exciting and uh, glad that he's going to be in the truck series for another year because he does help um, make that series a little bit more competitive because he's usually up front uh, every week. And uh, while it would be cool for him to be a truck regular, um, I'm ready to see him get back to the Xfinity and Cup level because I think he's going to be good. And, of course, I remember watching Joe Nemechek, so, of course, I want to see his son, John Hunter Nemechek, uh, racing every weekend on Sunday, just like his dad did. Okay. Jay, you're up next. Well, as we're talking about the Toyota manufacturer, uh, go to – McNally Higgleman team is switching from Toyota to Chevy trucks for the 2022 season. So says Colby Howard's going to be in one truck and they're working on a deal with Derek Krause for the second truck. And I know this bleeds all the way over. I saw it on the Arkham Menard series page when we were doing the uh, exactly. recap and the updates on them. McAnally, I, I don't know if you want to cover that as a separate one, but McAnally switching from Toyota uh, Sharon, you've been covering this longer than I have. They have been, the, <laughs> to me, the original start of a Toyota racing development program with Toyota there in the Arkham Menards West Series. Uh, so many drivers going back when I started with Todd Gilliland uh, out there from the West. So that, to me, is kind of a real surprise. Um, but we'll talk to you right now just about their truck series team. Yeah, you know, they're switching from Toyota to Chevy, uh, and that is kind of a shocker for McAnally Racing in particular because uh, their sponsor has – they've had a longtime sponsor with Napa Auto Parts, and Napa and Toyota have been kind of joined at the hip going back to the Michael Waltrip days and even before that. But – I uh, am a little shocked to see that they're doing that because McAnally has several Napa Auto Parts uh, or, you know, um, uh, affiliations, if you will. And uh, I just find it uh, a little bit of a surprise. Now, maybe maybe Napa was fine with making the switch from Toyota to Chevy, um, but uh, it just seems like that has been – such a long time partnership it's a little shocking to see that that ending so uh colby howard in the one truck 
so he'll be a, one of the rookies next season. I know he's raced some part-time races this year. And then Derek Krause uh, in a second truck, uh, they're working on that deal. That would make this uh, Derek Krause's third year in the truck series. Uh, and maybe they're hoping they'll get some better results from Chevy than what they're getting with Toyota in the trucks. Uh, because uh, I know that uh, Derek uh, is a good driver. He's uh, one of the champions in the Arca Menard Series, that used to be known as Canon Pro Series uh, in the East or the West. And, and for him not to uh, have the success that we would expect, for him in the truck series. So I, I see this as kind of a move to help him get that success uh, that seems to be eluding him in a Toyota. And it could be that it's just too tough to compete against a team like Kyle Busch Motorsports. So maybe being in a Chevy will help them uh, have more success. We'll have to wait and see if that in, in fact happens. Jay? Or is it Tommy? Yeah, actually, I think it does go back to Tommy here for the first round there. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, Tommy? Well, um, I think that uh, I saw on Twitter where uh, y'all posted this link that GMS, since they're switching from Toyota to Chevy, GMS is downsizing, I believe, is what I saw, or is a possibility, which makes sense um, because Sheldon Creed's leaving, and they've already announced they got Grant Infinger. Um, and who they? I thought like they had a few other drivers, um, Tyler Ancrum, and um, I can't think of the other guys' names right now. But either way, uh, this is probably going to be a good move for that team and for Derek Krause. Um, and and Colby Howard, they're probably going to be competitive next year with GMS equipment. And um, I didn't realize that they were Toyota this year, uh, to be honest. I did not know that. So that's a good move for them and uh, excited about that. Okay, Jay. Well, the the one interesting thing here that, that I find as part of it is Colby Howard has been announced as one of their trucks, and they're working on the deal with Derek Krause. Krause has been with it. You mentioned going back to the uh, what was then the Canon West Series with McAnally. That's the team that they brought or the driver they brought when they went into the truck series. Um, that that deal is still being worked on, whereas the Colby Howard deal was done. So that's what I find kind of interesting on it. We saw improvement from Derek Krause, uh, without a doubt. He was on the on the very edge of making it into the playoffs, unfortunately did not, but was one of the ones on the bubble and just didn't get in. So I'm a little concerned of, of, of switching manufacturers. We saw it with Stuart Friesen and a couple others. It, it takes that half step back, and, and a half step can be a lot when it comes to being a top competitive team with going with a new manufacturer. So we'll have to see how that plays out on the track uh, with how quickly they adapt to the Chevy and what kind of support they get. But the other half to that, like I said, the McAnally Toyota, uh, you almost can't even say it any other way just because it has been that way for so long. So, again, not real sure what the uh, 
reason for it is, uh, you know, uh, mentioned uh, some of the Chevrolet, maybe that the fact that we, they had a couple that were leaving the sport or becoming less because of drivers and teams moving on, they wanted to make sure that they had one to replace that. So uh, that Chevrolet might have made a good bid on it uh, in order to get them to switch over. We'll, we'll have to see. Hopefully it works out because I, I like that team, and, and you mentioned Derek Krause. Uh, you, we know he is a champion having moved up hasn't maybe developed quite as quickly as you'd hoped. And I hope that they stick with him though, because we have seen the talent from him. Yes, indeed. Uh, The other drivers there uh, would include Zane Smith and Chase Purdy, uh, along with Sheldon Creed and Tyler Ankrum. So they do have a couple of drivers that raced in the uh, uh, ARCA series with Jack Wood and, uh, Daniel Dye, they could be moving up into those rides, uh, but maybe they're going to keep them in the ARCA series for another another round. I don't know. Uh, but it would be interesting if they decide to downsize. Uh, it might go back to the philosophy of uh, maybe we put our resources behind fewer cars and get better results than trying to have so many cars and, getting, uh, our res- and spreading our resources too thin. So it will be interesting to see if they do downsize. Uh, But I know that they are developing drivers. Uh, Keep in mind, too, that GMS is also moving into the Cup Series next season. So, uh, again, the whole idea here is to develop these drivers to be able to move up to the ranks within NASCAR. So uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how it plays out. But, yeah, I am totally shocked. I do see a good relationship there, possibly, uh, an affiliation, if you will, or a joint partnership uh, with both GMS Racing and uh, um, uh, McAnally Hilgerman Racing, uh, both being in Chevys. And uh, I do think that this is their chance to get out of the shadow of uh, Cowbush Motorsports that is so dominant in the series and maybe get their chance to kind of uh, shine, if you will, uh, by being in a different manufacturer. Uh, But you're right, Jay. It's such a shock to the system to say Bill McAnally Chevrolet because it's just foreign almost. Uh, Tommy, your your thoughts? I definitely think it's going to work out for Derek Krause and uh, Kobe Howard. But – I was also going to say if GMS is downsizing, uh, it's going to be interesting to see who doesn't make it because now that Grant Enfinger is announced full-time, I mean, Zane Smith, Colby Howard, I mean, not Colby Howard, Zane Smith, Tyler Ankrum, and um, uh, I forgot the other guy you just mentioned. But either way, Chase Purdy, that's it. Those three. And then, like you said, Jack Wood, too, because he's in the ARCA series. where will those guys go? Um, if I'm not sure if any of them are confirmed, but I do know that Grant, Grant Infinger is. And uh, that's a good move by GMS, too, as well. Um, so more Chevys in the truck series, and uh, Derek Krause is probably excited. Yes, I hope he is. Okay, now I'm confused because, Jay, I thought you brought that topic up. Was it so I guess it's, it wasn't you, so now 
it must be your turn to bring up another hot topic. All right. Well, I know you posted it on the board, and uh, we didn't get even a whole lot of warning coming to it, but Tony Stewart made a big announcement this morning with the press release. Uh, He is going to be starting a two-car NHRA team with Leah Pruitt, his fiancée, and I believe she's in the funny car. I might have this backwards. Matt Hagen's going to be in one, and Leah Okay, she's in the top fuel as well as the factory stock, and then uh, top or a funny car with uh, with Matt Hagen. There we go. Um, starting that up, and that announcement was made today. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts about Tony Stewart going NHRA racing? He's not going racing, but he's going to support the team with Tony Tony Stewart racing. He's a busy guy. Um, SRX. <laughs> uh, Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and now he's doing this. Um, honestly, uh, it is kind of a surprise, and I don't I don't watch much drag racing, so I don't really know too much about it. I do know that my granddaddy watches it. I've seen him look at it before, but I like watching cars go in circles, I guess, and sometimes on road courses, I guess, make left turns. But um, it's uh, – while it is a surprise, it's also not because I saw that that's what she did on Instagram because I follow Tony Stewart or Twitter, whatever it is, that um, he posts pictures of her. So I've seen that that's her career, so I figure it would only be a matter of time before he stepped into that or got involved in that. So not too surprised. But like I said, I don't really watch much drag racing, so I can't really comment on that. And um, excited for the both of them, though. Sounds like they're getting along if he's forming a team with her. So maybe he'll even get in one and try it out. Okay. He did mention that, that he would try to do some practicing. He said he's practiced uh, not enough to be in a car to be racing at this point. Uh, and that it's a lot harder than what it looks like it is. Um, uh, but, yeah, Leah Pritchard is his fiance, and uh, I kind of anticipated, too, that it might be a matter of time before Tony gets involved in one way or another. Um, but he said he's content with just being a team owner at this point. Um, he did say that he was approached by Donnie Schumacher, uh, to see if you had any interest in buying out his team. So that's how this all kind of came about, is uh, that he was approached by Don Schumacher, and uh, the more they talked about it, the more excited Tony Stewart kind of got about it. Uh, and uh, that he was able to kind of pull everything together uh, with Leah Pritchard and uh, Matt Hagen. So uh, uh, I think it's uh, going to be interesting. I think it's a, another great crossover uh, between NHRA and NASCAR and uh, a way for fans to kind of uh, uh, maybe take an interest in uh, something that maybe they haven't watched before. Uh, they just might watch uh, with Tony Stewart Racing being involved with it. So uh, I know Tony's already warned Loyal Pritchard, I'm going to be at a racetrack, a racetrack, uh, he didn't say which race tack or which series or what uh, organization, but he plans to be at a racetrack every single weekend. 
So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I'm with you guys. I, I said this kind of caught me off guard, a little bit of a surprise uh, from one aspect of, of we hadn't heard a whole lot about it. But uh, in listening to the interview he did with Dave Moody on Sirius XM uh, today with that following the announcement, uh, the Sharon, you mentioned it, Schumacher deal actually goes back a few years back when they had the Army sponsorship at Stuart Haas Racing and mm-hmm. that Army sponsors uh, a team there in the NHRA. So that's where he kind of got the interest and was involved in it to, to start with, especially with uh, with Schumacher. Um, and then as it developed, obviously, you mentioned the fiancé being there with them. What, what I look at, though, is and he ran through the list of, and he did say, uh, I don't remember how, how Moody answer, asked the question, but uh, pretty full plate, is there even room for any more? And he said, you know, uh, <laughs> as as anything more comes up, some other things might have to go, but talk about owning, or owning the series, uh, a sprint car series, as well as a team on the World Outlaws, Eldora, SRX, his Cup Series level, now the NHRA, um, He's becoming one of those when we talk about Roger Penske, Ganassi, that has their hand in almost every aspect of motorsports. And I wouldn't have ever pictured uh, Tony Stewart being that guy when he left Joe Gibbs Racing to be (laughs) partners with Stuart Haas Racing. On that ownership side, it was kind of because he wanted to go what he wanted to do as far as racing not not necessarily the ownership and he has kind of really blossomed as an ownership and, and like i said of what i just mentioned of of that and he did talk some about sharing hit a couple of the quotes he talked about he has practiced a few times in the runs he knows where he's at and said hey i, I have not got the skill set to go out there and, and do it competitively week in and week out nor the intention, but he said he wouldn't even attempt to for a weekend until he's more confident uh, in his own ability. Um, so he's putting that support behind the two drivers he's got. So uh, I like it. Uh, you know, we've seen that. I mentioned Roger Penske and Chip Ganassi. The only thing I see right now that he's not involved in is the uh, IMSA WeatherTech Grand Am Series. So I guess that's the next one, and that would be a huge one that would knock, I think, uh, knock a lot <laughs> off his plate if he had to get rid of some. Yeah, I think he has raced in them, so though. Uh, but Tommy, what are your your follow up thoughts? He's just busy. I don't know how he does it all, and um, I guess I didn't think of it like that. That he's uh, slowly becoming a Roger Penske, uh, you know, a Hendrick. Uh, he's making his way to a powerhouse, and not only in NASCAR but a, in a bunch of other series too. So. It's just crazy, and I didn't even think of Eldora. He also owns that. That's it's just mm-hmm. he's in everything. Um, but I'm also glad, and I'm ready to see some other people do that too, like uh, Brad Keselowski and uh, Jeff Gordon. Um, but excited for uh, Tony Stewart and his fiance to be doing this together. And um, I don't really watch drag racing, but if he gets in one, maybe I'll have to catch it to see what what it's all about and i do watch fast and furious so that is some other racing i guess but that's just a movie and they don't even really race in movies anymore okay yeah i i think it was uh, a big announcement i think it took a lot of people off guard uh but uh i think it's pretty cool to see it happening 
and I'm happy for Tony Stewart. Uh, yeah, he's a busy guy, <laughs> but I think he's one of those personalities uh, that can handle it. And uh, I think it's it's going to be good for the sport. And uh, uh, I just hope my one fear is that we talked about it this year uh, that we don't see Tony Stewart at the NASCAR tracks as often. And it seems like his teams were suffering as a result of that. Um, that's my fear is that uh, he needs to be involved with Stuart Haas Racing uh, so that those drivers can be in competitive cars uh, so that that organization remains a healthy organization. Uh, so hopefully he'll still stay involved on a regular basis there. And, and uh, especially with this new car next season, I think they need to cease Tony Stewart at Stewart House Racing. Uh, so I hope this doesn't take him away from that. Jay, you get the final word here. Well, you kind of took it, it took it away from me, and, and it was answered during his interview today. You mentioned that of – uh, you know, and he does does try again with with uh, what all he has going on. It's not maybe as much as it was when he first started, but uh, his answer to that was of when it comes to Sunday race day, him being at the track is not going to make any one of the four cars they have go faster. His job is mm-hmm. throughout the week, whether it being putting together sponsorship. And I think one thing he probably took from Joe Gibbs Racing and, and watching the coach and learning under him is that whole. Yes, my name is out there on the, on the top of it, but it is putting the right people in the right place and, and the best people in the best place um, to perform that. And we talked about Rodney Childers obviously re-signing uh, for down the road uh, as one of his crew chiefs. Uh, Zipidelli as the competition director at Stuart Haas Racing. So he has the confidence. So whatever work he's doing is throughout the week. Not that he doesn't want to be there and support the team come Sunday, but like I said, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. And his answer was straight up. He said, my job is during the week. Me being there on, on race day isn't going to make those cars go any faster. i got to do that beforehand. Okay. Uh, Tommy, we're back to you. We didn't bring this up on Monday, but let's go with the uh... – the new cup team in 2022 um, part-time uh, is that NASCAR Euro team. I'm not sure how to say it. I think I'm going to say it. I'm going to try to uh, Heisberg Systems, H-E-E-Z-E-B-E-R-G. Heisberg. Heisberg. Heisberg Systems. Let's go with that. <laughs> okay. Jay. Whoops, I was trying to pull that up there. I know that one was quite a, quite a ways up the uh, list. Okay, I knew that got mentioned too is because uh, Jacques Villeneuve was one of the drivers, uh, as we talked about, that had uh, um, part, of the, part of the testing at the Roval. Uh, I think, again, it is a great thing. We're seeing the uh, expansion of NASCAR when it comes to different team owners being involved. Uh, it'll be curious to see how this team does coming in, um, especially starting with the part-time. But we saw the Wood Brothers make that work of if you're going to focus on it, like we've talked about four cars versus two cars, 
if you're making pick and select races to go after and be great at those particular races you show up at, uh, that's a good thing. Overall, I love the expansion, new teams coming in. The one negative thing I would take away from it that I think NASCAR needs to look at then would be the charter system. How do you get these new teams to want to come in if there's only four spots? Yeah, I'm going to squeeze that in because that is one that I still think by NASCAR doing what they're doing is great, but I think it could be better by taking away or revamping the charter system. Obviously, these guys, like I said, they're looking for a part-time schedule as it is. I hope them all the success, and I think it's going to be interesting to get that crossover with the team and drivers that they're bringing in. Okay, yeah, I I think it's a great thing to see new teams coming in to the sport. Um, Jacques Villeneuve, Villeneuve is a road course racer. He was part of that test group on Monday and Tuesday. I think they had some pretty high uh, finishes uh, as far as uh, rankings uh, of the groups that were out there racing. Um, but... Uh, uh, it is going to be fun to see how they do in, with the Hesseberg Systems uh, partnering with uh, R- Ricky Benton Racing. Is that what RBR is to compete part-time in the NASCAR Cup Series? Do you know what RBR is, Jay? I am looking for that. Yeah, that, that was sounded good to me. You, you sold me on what you said there. Um, actually, <laughs> now this goes... Uh, no, we're we're incorrect. It's Reum Brothers Racing. Oh, Reum Brothers. Yeah, okay. I knew that didn't sound right. Ricky Benton goes back a ways and, and after I said it I was I was questioning myself. Yeah, it's Reum Brothers, uh, that is also involved with this. So, uh there you have been sellers in the Xfinity series. Uh so this is a, a venture for them into the cup series as well. And uh, uh, I'm kind of excited to see it. Uh, they're going to share that ride uh, between the two drivers. And uh, I'm sure one will drive the ovals and the other will drive the uh, road courses uh, because Jacques Villeneuve has been a road course racer uh, with NASCAR uh, that has come in as one of the ringers in the earlier days. So, um, I'm I'm happy about it. I wish him the best. Tommy, what are your thoughts? I'm excited to see another team, and um, it's a team from the NASCAR Euro Series over there in Europe. Um, I don't really know much about that besides that Bobby Hamilton competed. I mean, not Bobby Hamilton. Bobby Labonte competed in it. Uh, okay. So uh, I thought it was interesting that they were going to be a Mustang um, which, I mean, I don't really know what they race over there in Europe, but then I thought about it. I mean, they didn't really have the three choices, Toyota, um, Ford, or Chevy, but uh, I'm sure they'll definitely be competitive on the road courses because I feel like that Euro Series, from what I did look at Bobby Labonte and stuff, it looked like they mostly ran road courses and short tracks, I think. So I'm sure that's where they'll be competitive at and um, just – another team and I know they've already got two drivers announced but um what if there's a another what if they throw one of somebody like Ryan Newman or Matty D in at a short track or something like that or something like that. So 
but definitely excited for another uh, another team. Yep, we're always looking out for a ride for uh, Matty D, that's for sure. Um, I'm going to go ahead and make the announcement now, Jay, and then we'll let you uh, do your follow-up comment. Um, we're coming up on 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and this is about the time of the night that I do an announcement for all of our first-time listeners because I don't want anybody to be caught off guard or by surprise and not know how they can hear the rest of our conversation. Uh, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, but we do continue to record conversation, and we continue the conversation uh, beyond that time. What I'll do is I'll go out on Twitter as soon as we finish our conversation, just to let people know that the podcast is now available. At that point, you can go to our podcast player, uh, and that's available at Blog Talk Radio or FanForation.com, and just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the bonus overtime material in the rest of our conversation. Again, didn't want anybody to be caught off guard or wondering what's going on or uh, wondering how they can hear the rest of the conversation. And so we always make this announcement at this time of the night uh, so that uh, especially our new-time listeners uh, are caught off guard. So with that, Jay, what's your follow-up on uh, this new race team? We mentioned that, like I said, I think it's great. We're seeing the, these teams that are becoming involved, the the crossover with, going over to the and the ad is the nascar euro series but just like tommy said not real familiar with it so i think we're going to get more exposure there as well uh seeing new drivers or returning drivers in the case of uh, jacques villeneuve it's been a while since we've seen him come in as the the road course ringer you mentioned it sharon uh certainly mm-hmm. was always one of those you had to look at when it came to road course racing the other thing there uh with going with rbr of of room brothers racing there again, I think it's great that we're seeing some of these teams, and we've talked about it at the cup level of Rick Ware Racing, uh, Colleg Racing, we've seen build up GMS Racing. That little extra, Rium Brothers has done a great job of doing what they can with what they have. You, you know, Jordan Anderson Racing, another one. So now as we get some partnerships and a little bit more support to see a team like that become a more competitive team, I think is absolutely outstanding. Um, that you're not just looking at it as is there a team, they can't compete, they need to get out. Hey, let's partner with them and make them a better team. Uh, I like to see that. So great for the Reum brothers. Uh, like I said, that's one that's been around the truck series. I know for, I can't say as far back as when the, the series started, but they have been there a long time, and they're going to see the fruits of that labor as they take that next step forward. Uh, so I like that. Um like I said, the only the only concern I have with with this as we see this influx is is the charter system, uh, which is only applicable in the Cup Series. So uh, the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series, we don't have to worry about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't have much to add to what I said before. I think it's great to see a new team coming in. Uh, I'm going to enjoy uh, watching both of these drivers race. Uh, it's a nice crossover with the Euro Series, uh, bringing some of the Euro Series fans over to NASCAR uh, and possibly vice versa, uh, especially if we see more of a trend of that happening. So, again, not a lot to add here. So, Tommy, I'll let you have the last word here. 
maybe they'll get a road course win and they'll pull like a Ron Fellows, Boris Set or something, Marcus Ambrose uh, with um, that Zilla the way they guy or however, however you say his last name from the Euro series. But um, yeah, excited for another team. Hopefully they try for the 500 as well. Okay, Jay. Oh, I guess that's it for that topic. Uh, you, Jay, you do get the next topic. I think we have actually covered our scrolling through. Like I said, I had to scroll back up. Uh, you know, that was one we did have up and didn't get to Monday, so I'm not seeing any more. Uh, I know we we just went over our overtime. Uh, if we want to go a little bit of, we are down to the final eight. So who do we think is the championship for? and thus the champion, if we want to take shots at that already. <laughs> Are you ready for that, Tommy? Are you talking uh, just the I'm Cup a... Series or across the board? Yeah, just the Cup Series. I, I, we can catch the Xfinity Series, I guess, ne- next week. Okay. I think it has to be between Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin. Um, Denny Hamlin's won uh, two playoff races, right? And Kyle Larson's won two or two of them, I believe. Uh, they they seem to be the guys that uh, are doing good at the right time. So the only one that I can see being a threat, of course, is the fan favorite, Chase Elliott. And you know these next couple of races, Hendrick Motorsports is going to have their best equipment out there for him. So I would say it's those those three are the top three for sure. Uh, who's going to prevail? I don't know if this is – is Denny going to be runner-up again? Probably. I think it's Kyle Larson's here. He's just dominated. Okay. I do think uh, Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin uh, could be the ones. I'll tell you what is so tight, though. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of jockeying, especially in this first race at Texas. Uh, and I'm curious to see how it ends up. Um, Martin Truex, I want, you know, he's one of my favorites. So I'd like to see Martin Truex Jr. be part of that final four. Uh, he has a way of looking like he's out of it. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, he's up in the top 10 again. Uh, but he's also had those days where he's run really good, and then all of a sudden at the last minute it falls back. So it just depends on how this plays out for him at at Texas uh, and then at uh, uh, Kansas and uh, uh, Martinsville. Those are all tracks that he he can do very well at, so we'll have to see what happens. Um, I'm curious to see what Kyle Busch does this week at Texas. Of course, if he wins, that automatically puts him in uh, into the Final Four. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I don't know if it's going to be Kyle Busch or Ryan Blaney uh, that's going to be in that Final Four. Chase Elliott is another driver that could very well get a win and be put himself into that Final Four. That fourth spot is the hardest one for me to pick. So, um, Jay, who are your top four? Well, we're all agreeing Kyle Larson, the year he's having, and you've got to put him as the championship favorite, but we saw Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, neither one come up with it last year. 
So you got to be leery of that. But right now, at least as far as into the final four, uh, Sharon, you mentioned the four spot. I'm not even so sure on the third spot. The, I would have to give the third spot to Chase Elliott just based on last year, his consistency. I think this is a great round for him. Um, you mentioned Martin Truex. I think for several drivers here, I think the factor is going to be Texas and Kansas. If we look at Texas starting there, I think there you got to kind of put, you mentioned Kyle Busch. If he gets that victory, he's in, and the fourth spot really becomes cloudy, uh, especially with how tight it is. What I think is going to be very interesting, you go through that list of Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex, Joey Logano, and uh, Brad Keselowski, all really good at Martinsville. And we've seen it come down to it when it is for Martinsville. If you have four drivers that are that good at that track, there's going to be some bumping and banging. Take, for example, mm-hmm. Logano nudging up Martin Truex uh, a few years back. So that's where I think it, Texas and Kansas are really going to determine that um, before it gets to Martinsville. So, yeah, I think the third and fourth spots both. Team Penske, uh, again, Joey Logano having that quiet but solid year um, throughout. We've seen him do it. The, again, these are good tracks I would list uh, as far as for him for the round. But Ryan Blaney has been the front runner and kind of flying under the radar uh, as far as leading Team Penske. So I think spots three and four are kind of uh, open. And overall, uh, you know, take that, as they say, low-hanging fruit. You kind of almost got to look at Kyle Larson as far as that that championship favorite right now. Um, But I I certainly wouldn't uh, write it in pen by any means. (laughs) Okay, Tommy, your follow-up. Did we lose Tommy? Uh-oh. Yeah, it looks like uh, he dropped. Okay, so we lost Tommy. Uh, so I guess it's me next. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I would say uh, I, I really don't have a lot to add. Uh, I would say Kyle Larson, um, Denny Hamlin, and you're right. Martin Truex isn't a guarantee by any shape or form. Um, And any one of these guys, uh, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, uh, Brad Keselowski, if they get a win, Joey Logano, if they get a win between Kansas and um, uh, Texas Motor Speedway, uh, I, I guess you have to look at who are the drivers that are really good on the 1.5-mile tracks. Martin Truex Jr. normally excels on those tracks, so I look for him to get a win. If he doesn't get it at Texas, I think he's going to get it at Kansas, but he's also good at Martinsville. That's why I think Martin Truex Jr. is going to be there. Um, he might be the fourth guy. He might be the third guy. I don't know depending on whether Chase Elliott wins, because he's good at the 1.5-mile tracks as well. So um, let's see. Tommy just put a message out here on our on our uh, team chat. So I was trying to see if I could see what he had to say here to see if he was answering that question. I don't know if you see it. Oh, it's, he lost the call. He says excited for Martinsville is what I was going to add. Yeah, 
Martinsville and the whole elimination race is going to be exciting uh, because uh, these guys are going to be racing hard at those 1.5-mile tracks to get the win because none of them want to leave it to Martinsville uh, to be on the line. So they're all going to be buying pretty hard, I think, in those first two races. So, uh, Jay, what are your your final thoughts on it? Yeah, got to reiterate both of that. Texas and Kansas, I think, is where a lot of these teams need to put their put their focus, uh, even if they are that good at Martinsville. Because as I mentioned, the four, and I just think of in the past, we've seen Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin battle there, Martin Truex, Joey Logano. Brad Keselowski was right behind that deal in the uh, uh, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin. So if it comes down to that race, you mentioned it. Martinsville in itself, by itself, as the cutoff uh, race, we saw how exciting that can be. And you put four of the top eight. And then we've seen it before. Kyle Larson may, may not uh, be the best at a particular track or have the best car, but if that front gets tangled up, he's kind of been there to uh, step forward and say, hey, y'all don't want the trophy, mm-hmm. I'll take it. Uh, you know, he's run great this year, but he's had a couple uh, most certainly that have, have kind of come into his lap, if you will, too, uh, based on what's happened around him or in front of him. So I think Martinsville That's is going to be true. huge one way or the other, which just makes then, to me, Texas and Kansas that more more exciting to see who gets locked in and doesn't have to worry about Martinsville. Yeah, and that's why I think these first two races in this round are going to be uh, very intense uh, because these drivers want to get that win before they get to Martinsville, if at all possible. Uh, not that we don't have drivers that are good uh, at uh, at Martinsville, but Martinsville can be a uh, 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 hit or miss kind of track. So, uh, and a lot of times things outside of your control are what kind of take over. So, uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a fun round, without a doubt. And then, of course, Phoenix is uh, the championship round. So, okay, Jay, anything more you want to put on the table for you and I to talk about? No. Well, being that way that we did unfortunately lose uh, lose Tommy there, I say we had pretty much covered uh, a lot tonight. Actually, I was surprised uh, how much yep. we got through. So, uh, come Monday, uh, hopefully, have more uh, more available. I know Mike said he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Uh, not sure when he was going to be able to return. I know Andy was originally scheduled to be on tonight, and a late minute change, and he couldn't make it. So. Uh, We'll have to see who the who the final three or four are that come to Monday night's uh, hot topics. How about that? <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, and I do like our new system of uh, kind of identifying which topics we have covered, uh, so that everybody kind of knows where that sits. Um, but let's uh, go ahead and do the roundtable here, Jay. All right, uh, Mopa, or follow me on Michael Hoosman Facebook. Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And this weekend, I am not going to be traveling extremely far to a racetrack. I'll say that. I'm going to be to a racetrack, but it'll be two miles down the road here. Found out Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember which day. Be working right here from uh, basically from home at the baddest bullring in the south, Columbus uh, Speedway. Been a while since I've gotten to go over there and cover the Mississippi State Championship Challenge Series Super Late Model Series, as well as 
some other big payday pay races for local racing divisions. So looking forward to that. And uh, I'm sure you'll see me out there uh, doing some videos and stuff as I usually do. But no more, no more baby shark dancing. I think I'm done with that for a while. <laughs> okay, well that's good news. Uh, we'll have to. Oh <laughs> wow! <laughs> I was joking. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I am fan for racing site on Twitter and fan for racing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforacing.com. And uh, uh, that's where we have a lot of the recaps from the races. I do have Mike's uh, two articles. I hope to get those out tomorrow. Uh, I've been trying to get these done and thinking that my schedule has relaxed a little bit is uh, a little deceiving here because it really hasn't. So uh, definitely uh, try to get that out uh, sometime this weekend if I can't get it out tomorrow. Um, And then we've got uh, Sam is back with the recap. Uh, He has his recap of of, of from last weekend. I'm sure he'll have a recap uh, up after Texas as well. So uh, it's a short weekend of racing with just the two races uh, this weekend, but uh, definitely looking forward to those. And then, of course, the following weekend at Kansas Speedway where we have the Arkham and Art Series with their season finale. So uh, definitely looking forward to the following week. And, and what's left of racing as we're winding down the season here, uh, it's all going to be fun. So uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you. And, of course, to our Fan for Racing team tonight, that was Jay Huseman and Tammy Kraft. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you so much for being here. And uh, I know I got cut off earlier, and, Jay, you kind of filled in for me there. Uh, I had to call back twice uh, before I could get back in. So thank you for uh, picking up the slack there. Yeah, I say, you said you kept reading it, and it was tough to tell. I knew I wasn't hearing you, but I didn't have the, the player up while we're on the show to know for sure if you were going out. So I just had to kind of guess and cover covered that. But uh, once you came back on uh, – roll right with it so we've we've improved <laughs> over the years i know in the past we've had some glitches uh come together as a team and covered it real good tonight yes indeed so thank you very much and uh with that i think we're ready to call it a wrap jay all right well i will know uh, i will be here at least for sure on hot topics monday uh, i believe we got to hear back from sal sagala there for your uh review of the weekend so tune in monday night for as well for the race weekend review yes indeed we will definitely be here on monday night 8 30 p.m eastern time uh take care everybody and enjoy the weekend of racing we'll talk to you on the other side good, good night Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.